today's message called When God Became a Man. When God Became a Man. I think that's a, a wonderful title of a good sermon. It's that time of year when we talk about that very thing. When God became a man. Now we have people that want to become God. Uh, there was an angel that wanted to become God one day, and he turned out to be the devil. I believe that we ought to just let God be God, and that's it. I know sometimes we wonder, you know, where is God? Where is God? Can you find him anywhere? I, I, I've had people that says, I don't believe there is a God. I don't believe there is a God. Well, if you don't believe there's a God, then you ought to be able to go everywhere all at the same time to prove that God isn't there. So before you can intellectually really state for a fact that God is not God because you can't find him. He might be where you aren't. So can you actually say you have been everywhere all at the same time because he might be there? So you can't say that. Do you know everything? If there's anything that you don't know, it could be the knowledge of God. So until you can say you know everything, you can't say there is no God. Duh. I hate it when somebody says that. Turn in the Bible to the book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke and chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And look what the scripture says about this event. I'm just going to read one verse because i got a long way to go. You'll notice there in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, he's also titled the Son of Man. Son of Man means that he came from man. Son of God, he came from God. So he is called the Son of Man. He is a man, and he is God in the flesh. And he's called that holy thing. Every one of us, when we're born into this world, we are an unholy thing. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. We've come short of perfection. He didn't come up short of perfection. He is perfect. No sinful nature. He did everything right. Take your Bible, look there in the book of Luke in chapter 4. It would be great if all the people of the world could see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But look what he says here in verse 34 of chapter 4. Uh, these are unclean devils, angels, fallen angels, demons, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I knew thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. He wasn't just a man. Jesus was the Holy One of God. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews and chapter 10. Hebrews and chapter 10. And look there in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Make sure you read your Bible. This is a Bible church. We, we believe the Bible and believe that everybody ought to read the Bible. And that you ought to check it and, uh, and, and make sure that what the preacher said is in the Bible. 
And verse 1 says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So you have here in this one verse some awesome statements that the sacrifices in the Old Testament that they made never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It could make them perfect. So the Bible says, see, to go to heaven you have to be perfect and none of the sacrifices ever made in the Old Testament ever made anybody perfect. So that means that nobody has ever been saved by the law. The sacrificial law, the ceremonial laws, or the moral law. Nobody has ever been saved, made perfect by the law. Get what he says now. Because of that, but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. In other words, every year they have to make these same sacrifices. The high priest has to go into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice for himself and for the sins of the people. Because it never paid for sin. Never made anybody perfect. Well, look what he says now in verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Not possible. Not possible. So that means that all those sacrifices, it was impossible to pay for sin. In verse 5, wherefore, when he cometh into the world. Oh, we're on another subject. Well, look what he's talking about. He said, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou prepared me. You see, when Jesus came into the world, Mary was used of the Lord to prepare a body for God to live in. Jesus Christ is God upon the earth. He is manifested in this body. And this body was a holy body, a perfect body. It had no sinful nature because it had no earthly father. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and placed the seed within the womb of Mary. And that holy thing came from God. And God prepared a body for His Son to be born in. So we have now a man walking around in a perfect body with no sinful nature, and he never did anything wrong. There's only been one person like that in all the world, and it just happens to be Jesus Christ. And he says, a body hast thou prepared me, but why did he prepare that body for him? Now take your Bible, look in John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Gospel of John chapter 1, and look in verse 14. And verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. This is on page 1114, Old School for Reference Bible. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God brought this Son into existence in the flesh. Now Jesus already existed from the foundation of the world. He's always been. In the book of Isaiah, it says, uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Uh, but he's talking there about, uh, unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How can he be called the Everlasting Father? 
unless you have an everlasting son. Well, the son is just as old as the dad. But that's another story. But look what he says in verse 1 of John chapter 1. And the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him that was made. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the beginning. And the Bible says that He came into the world. Look there in verse 10. He was in the world. And the world was made by Him. So this Jesus we're talking about, this one that's being born, made the world. He created all things. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He made it all. And He says here, And His own knew Him not. Down in verse 11. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But... To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. And it's talking about the word, that is God, was made flesh. That means made flesh means he tabernacled among us. In the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory came into the tabernacle. Here, it tabernacled in this flesh. God in the flesh. That's what we call the incarnation. He is in the flesh. That's when John the Baptist saw him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Why did he have to come? Well, this is why. That he might die. See, God is a spirit, and God cannot die. So, he came into the world and took upon him a body. And in this body, he, he became like a man. He became flesh. God in spirit could not die. B, that he might be our near kinsman, possess the right to redeem the human race through his payment. In other words, he had to be a man to die for a man. God would not accept the sacrifice of animals. It could never take away sin. You see, the reason Jesus could pay for our sins is because he had none to pay for. We're all indebted for our own. That's why I can't pay for your sins because i got to pay for mine. And you can't pay for somebody else's because you got to pay for yours. So they needed somebody that was perfect. And there was only one. And that was Jesus Christ. A body has thou prepared me. Well, we call it the birth of Jesus Christ. But remember, he wasn't born into the world just to be born so that we can worship the birthday of Jesus Christ. What's more important that he came to die on the cross. And there's a lot of people who worship a babe in a manger, but reject the man on the cross. And it's wrong to do so. And that he might claim the throne of Israel. He is the king of Israel. Where is he that is born king in Israel? Behold, there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah. He is God in the flesh. So when you think about Jesus Christ. What do you conjure up in your mind? Is he just a good man, good prophet, good teacher, trailblazer? What is he? He's God in the flesh. I would not serve a man and worship a man that's no better than I am. But this man was God in the flesh. That changes everything. That changes everything. Look at number two. And turning your Bible to 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. 
2 Corinthians in chapter 8. This is an awesome statement when you stop and think about this. We have people in this world that will kill in order to get money, to be famous and popular and all those things. Think about this. Here's Jesus Christ in heaven before the world began. He has all the honor, all the glory, all the wealth anybody could ever want. And look what the Bible says that he did. Uh, look there in verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Now, when he was born into this world, he didn't have much. He, he, didn't, he didn't run around in a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce. I don't even know if he had a souped-up camel. He, he, didn't, he, he didn't spend the nights at Ramada Inn and, uh, you know, eat at Village Inn. He, he didn't have none of those things. And yet he is God in the flesh. He had everything you would ever want. Live forever, perfect place, all the wealth in the world. He can make anything he wanted. He was God. And what does he do? <laughs> he comes into the world and is born as a baby in a manger. In a manger. Now you would think he would be born in a palace. I ought to be born in a palace. Look who he is. But in a stable? Doesn't sound too healthy to me. Sanitary. But look who he was. Jesus Christ came into the world and left everything. Gave up everything. Look at the last part of this verse. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's why he did it. He wants you to be rich. He wants me to be rich. But we were poor. And just think, this one man is able to come into this world and make everybody rich. Say, boy, if I had a million dollars, I'd make everybody rich. No, you wouldn't. You'd hoard it up, waste it, squander it, unless you earned it. What would you do if you had a million dollars? But look in the notes here. He brought from heaven all that he needed to pay the debt. Well, wait a minute. When he came, and he came into the world to pay for our sins, did, did he bring money? No, because that wasn't the payment for sin. Well, what did he bring? He just brought himself. Why? That's all he needed was himself. He came into the world... To do something that only he could do. It was a payment that only he could make. He came. He didn't have to bring anything with him. I know there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy that was a, called Naaman, the Syrian. Is that his name? And went to see Elijah because the little maid told him. And you know, when he came from Syria, he, he brought all of the people and he brought camels and he brought jewelry, gold, silver. He had all these raiments. He had all kinds of stuff because he had to come. This is what it's going to cost for him to cure me of my leprosy. 
When Jesus came into the world, he didn't bring anything. He was going to give himself. That was the payment that was needed. And that's why by himself, he purged our sins. By himself. No help from nobody. That's why there's nobody who can save you. Jesus Christ, he did it all. Uh, look at the letter B. The wages of sin was death. All he needed was life that was not indebted. Because the payment for sin is death. All he had to do is bring his life here and be willing to give it to pay for that payment. And that's what he did. Look at number three. Why he became sin. Why he became sin. Now, I want you to look at this verse because it's very good. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The Lord says that in the Old Testament times, many ways, through many prophets, He said He hath spoken in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. But He says in verse 2, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. And look what he says in verse 2. I want you to see this verse. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. In other words, God the Father, he made all these things through his Son. It says the Son's the one that did it all. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made. That was made. And verse 3. Get this. This is a powerful verse. Who, referring to Christ, being the brightness of his glory... His perfection, God's perfection. The express image of His person. And upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had, and you ought to underline these two little words. When He had, with my help. When He had, by the church. No, He had by Himself. By Himself, get this, purged our sin, sat down because the job was done. The job was completed. Finished. When he died on the cross, he says, it is finished. In other words, there's nothing anybody else had to do for the payment of sin. He paid for all the sins of the world so that everybody in the world could have eternal life and go to heaven. And all that you have to do, all that I have to do, is believe that when Christ did it, he did it for me. And if I believe he did it for me, that payment is put to my account. By faith alone, in Christ alone, you have the free gift of eternal life. Now take your Bible and turn there to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. Verse 21 says on page 1233, he says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, get this, to be sin for us, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. All right, so Jesus Christ comes into the world, and He's perfect. I'm not. I have sin. So God will not allow sin in heaven. But he will allow righteousness in heaven, because that's a perfect place. So Jesus Christ, this hand representing Christ, and this hand representing me. I have sin, 
He has righteousness. So the Bible says that if um, I will believe that Christ paid for all of my sins on the cross, came back from the dead, payments made. When I believe Christ did it for me, God gives to me his righteousness. Now, if I have his righteousness, that makes me as righteous as God. I go to heaven on what he did. He became sin for me. Now, he didn't sin. He became sin. He took every sin of every person in the whole world, paid for sin on the cross. Once and for all. Never has to be done again. So whenever you and I believe that Christ did it for us, he gives us his righteousness. But here's the thing to remember. In Romans chapter 3, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. So when he gives me his righteousness, what he's really doing is giving me himself. I'm going to heaven because I am in his son. I'm going to heaven because I am in him. He is my righteousness. I don't have righteousness. Now, while we're right here, uh, take your Bible and look there in the book of um, Philippians in chapter 3. The book of Philippians, real quick. It's such an important verse that you need to see it. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Verse 9. You and I have sinned. God says, do not be found on the day of judgment, trusting in your righteousness to get you to heaven. Because God says, you don't have any righteousness. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of God's perfection. So no man can save himself. So the Bible says, Jesus Christ came into the world he is perfect. He is righteous. God says to go to heaven, you have to be as perfect, as righteous as Christ in order to live for all eternity. So get what he says in verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. That means trying to earn it, work for it. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So there is a by works righteousness and a by faith righteousness. By works, you're trying to earn it. God says, don't be found trusting in your works to get you to heaven. He says, but trust in his righteousness. He will give you his righteousness. Be found in him having his righteousness. That's why we get to go to heaven. That's why Christ came into the world. Now, look at number four. Number four, why he became the first fruits of them that slept. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. This is the resurrection chapter in the Bible. Has an awful lot to say about the resurrection. And if you'll notice here in 1 Corinthians, I want you to look there first of all in uh, verse 2. Because he's talking about how he declared unto him the gospel, the good news. So Christ came into the world. Where's the good news in that? Christ died on the cross. Where's the good news? He was buried. Where's the good news? 
Well, he came back from the dead. Why is that good news for me? Did you know there's a lot of people who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and are not going to heaven? A lot of churches talk about it every week. They talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and haven't got a clue where they're going to go when they die. That's because they haven't heard. Why did he do it? Most people think, but he did that to help me to live better so I can get good enough to go there. He said, help give me the strength and the grace that I need to walk that straight and narrow way. And if I do it long enough, I'm going to make it someday. Praise Jesus. That is not why he came. He's not a trailblazer. You know, like Daniel Boom and Davy Crockett. Blazing a trail. And now, boy, he's going before me and i got to... No. For example, you're right in the middle of the ocean. Can't swim. Help, help, help. I come by my little motorboat and I say, uh, what's the problem? I'm drowning. I can't swim. I said, look, it's only 1,500 miles to the coast of America. You just do the best you can and try hard, buddy, you'll make it. Now, was I a savior? No, I wasn't a savior. Well, what if I pull up alongside of him and I say, look, here's a lesson on 10 easy lessons on how to swim. Just uh, read those lessons and follow those and you'll learn how to swim. Now, see what a good deed that was. But am I a savior? Uh, no. What if I come up alongside of him and I jump out of the boat and I say, now watch what I do. And you do exactly like me. And I do the dog paddle, the breath stroke and the back stroke and everything. I mean, I can give it all. And I give him his, you know, two minute lesson. Now you do just like me and head in that direction. And you'll, uh, you'll, you'll make it. Now I might be a good example. That might be a good weight shore and a you know trailblazer, but that's not a savior. Okay, well, what if I come up there in my little motorboat and I reach over there and I get him up out of the water, put him in the boat, and take him 750 miles and kick him out and say, now you make the rest of the way by yourself. Is that a savior? No. I need to take him out of the water, take him all the way to the land. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm trusting Him to take me all the way to heaven. And He's the only one that can get me there. I don't help. I don't do the dog paddle. I don't do the breaststroke. I don't read any lesson on how to swim. I trusted Him as my Savior 50 years ago in a little old living room, and it never has to be done again. My going to heaven totally, 100% depends on Him. I've had people say, well, no, why oh, don't you pray for so-and-so? He's almost saved. You're either 100% saved or 100% lost. Nobody goes to hell. Well, I was only 10 more percent and I would have made it. You're either saved or you're lost. You either trust Him or you don't. I've had people say, I say have you trusted Christ? I've, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. Nobody's been a Christian all their life. There has to be a day when you were saved. A day when you were born into God's family. You may not remember the exact day and the hour and so forth like that. No, I can't. Now, you may not. But there has to be a day when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And if you don't know of such a day, I would. You say, well, I just, you know, 
I've been saved all my life. No, you, no, no, there has to be a time when you trusted the Lord. You may not remember all that, but you know, I recall there was a time when I put my trust in Him. And I believe Christ died on that cross and He paid for my sins. You're not raised a Christian. I mean, just because you were, you know, you, you walk into a garage didn't make you an automobile. I can go a long way with that tip, but I'm not going to. But it's so important for a Christian to realize that foundation, as we're talking about in Sunday school, has to be rock solid. I know I have believed in Christ and my salvation is secure and that I'm going to heaven whenever I die. But Christ came back from the dead. And when he came back from the dead, why is that so important? Because he can't save anybody if he's still dead. And he says he's coming back someday. Well, he can't come back if he didn't get there. That's why it's all so important. Because, you see, it hinges upon the fulfillment of his promise, his word. He says that he would die. And in three days, he'd come back from the dead. And if he doesn't, he's a liar. And if he's a liar, he's not God. And our sins were never paid for. But he did come back from the dead. Now, I want you to see this. Here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, look in verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. The first man there in verse 21, for since by man came death, that's Adam. By man, Christ also came the resurrection of the dead. For in verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So whenever anybody born into the world as a son of Adam, we all have a sinful nature, we all die. All those who trust Christ as Savior will be made alive. So I've been born twice. Once from the line of Adam, through my mama and daddy, and their mommy and daddy, and all the way on down, goes all the way back to Adam. But 50 years ago, in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia, I trusted Christ as my Savior. So my new birth only goes back 50 years. The other one goes back a longer time. But Christ came back from the dead, and He is the first fruits. It means that um, He's the first one to come back from the dead, but He came back on His own power. You see, all the other ones had to be raised, but he says, I have the power to lay down my life and the power to take it up again. And he says that he is the one that died, that little kernel of corn. And because of that, there's going to be a harvest someday. And that's where you and I come in. One of these days, the graves are going to open and we're all going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be uh, with the Lord. Look at number five. Why he became the author of eternal Salvation. Eternal salvation. Not temporary salvation. Look there in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews and chapter 5. These are some very, very good verses. You see, you need to understand this so that you can defend your faith. As you witness to people, there's people going to challenge you and ask you to prove that in the Bible. And you'll be able to say, well, in the Bible it says in blah, 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 or blah, blah, blah. And you know your book. It is the will of God for God's children to know the Word of God. You're supposed to know this book. And you're going to answer to God on why you don't know it. 
That knowledge is power. And this is the power that you need for your Christian life. This is the power you need to witness knowledge. Knowledge is power. So he says here in Hebrews, and uh, chapter 5, uh, look what he says here in uh, uh, verse 8. Verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now we're talking about Christ as a man. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. You see, for something to be eternal, it has to be perfect. So when he became the author of eternal salvation, he became the author of a perfect salvation. You see, the salvation that God has has to make you perfect or it doesn't help you. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, my new birth, I was just like that holy thing. I was born without a sinful nature. My new birth. Not my first one. My first one has a sinful nature. That's when you see. But I got another one that you can't see. It's a new birth. Born of God. It's a holy thing. And because of that, I have a perfect salvation. I am a perfect child of God. It has no sinful nature. It cannot sin. And if it can't sin, it cannot die. And that's why when you're perfect, you can go to heaven. Only perfect people get to go to heaven. Not good people. Perfect people. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, your new birth is perfect in the Lord. And now God wants you to grow, to become mature in the Lord. But he makes a statement. He says here in verse 9, Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He said, ah, oh, I knew there was a catch to this. The word obey here means to all those that believe him. Take your Bible and just turn to the book of Romans in chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. So important to see this. Romans chapter 10. And notice there in verse 16. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. To those that obey him. How do you obey the gospel? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So to obey the gospel is to do what the gospel says. Believe it. He that believeth hath everlasting life. And God will never cast you out and never lose you. Look what else he said. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath, what's that word? Believed, I report. So obey and believe it's what it's talking about. So when Christ became the author of eternal salvation to all those that believe the gospel. So when you believe it, you're saved forever because it's perfect. There's nothing that can stop it. God says he'll never cast you out. He said, I'll never lose you. You have eternal life. And if it lasts forever, then where are you going to go when you die? And all your sins are paid. He says the sacrifices made in the Old Testament could never pay for sin. And they continually did it year after year. He says, but a body has not prepared me. So he came. He made one payment for sins forever. And uh, it's uh, all done. 
Take your Bible and look there in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews and chapter 10. You see why you need a Bible at this church? We use the Bible. We want people to know what God says. And that's more important than anything else in the world. There's a lot of churches today, they don't even use a Bible. Well, you're going to feel kind of naked around here. It's like in the old Wild West days when you went out and didn't have a pair of guns on your hips, you know. You just weren't ready to go out and face the world. You've got to have a six gun. Well, you need a Bible. Here in Hebrews in chapter 10, look what he says there in verse 10. And verse 10 makes a statement. By the which will we are sanctified, made pure and holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is when God took on flesh. A body was prepared. And he never sinned. And so for 30 years, till he began his ministry, which is what the priest had to do in the age of 30. And they be, he began his ministry for three and a half years. And nobody could find any fault in him. Nobody. That's why Christ made the statement, which one of you convinces me of sin? If I've sinned, name it. Now, none of us can do that, can we? Would you say to your wife, I ain't never done anything wrong. I am Mr. Perfection. I'm goody-goody two-shoes. Could you say that? Could your wife say that? I don't think so. You know, it's amazing. The, the women can really, the, they can go shopping all day and all night long. And never get tired. Never wear out. And a, and a man, he can go to a store and he, he got to find a bench to sit down on or something or let me go drink some coffee at our cafe while you finish up. And when we get through, we are tired as can be, worn out, ain't got a bit of energy left. And a woman's just all whirled up and she's ready to go and spend some money. I have no idea where that came from. You know. So there's got to be a point there. I have no clue what it is though. Look in verse 12. Verse 12. But this man, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? Forever. Sat down on the right hand of God. In other words, it's done. Payment's made. Finished. There's nothing for anybody to do. The payment has been made. Now look in verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected, for how long? Forever, them that are sanctified. Those who have trusted Christ as Savior, you have been made pure and holy and set apart. You belong to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. In God's eyes, I know this is hard for you to accept. I'm perfect. Because I'm in Christ. Now you take Christ away, and I'm just as bad as you. What do you think I was going to say? God says that we have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. But once you trust Christ as Savior in Christ, you're good to go. You're good to go. You mean I'm ready to go? I'm ready to go. And that means from now on, I'm, I'm good to go. I can't go to hell. I can't go to hell today. I can't go to hell tomorrow. I can't never go to hell. I can't go to hell if I tried. I haven't tried, but I can't go to hell. Because he gave me a perfect salvation. 
I am sanctified forever. He hath perfected all those that believe this good news. Now, take your Bible and turn to these last two verses. I'm just going to have you look at these last two verses. You've probably never seen them before. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is on page 1251 in an old Schofield reference Bible. Now look at the verse. This is the reason for Christmas. If you're going to celebrate Christmas, celebrate the gospel. That's what it's about. That's the good news. The good news is not that he came and was born. The good news is that he died and came back from the dead and paid for my sins. So in verse 8, for by grace are you saved. See, God can't save you by your works. No man's good enough. You have to be perfect. That's why the church can't save you. Giving money is not going to make you any better than you already were. You have to be perfect to bring forth perfect works. A sinner brings forth sins. You have to be good to bring forth good works. He says there is none good. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, of the perfection of God. So he says here, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All that we can do is brag upon what Christ did for us. But no man can take credit for his salvation, because he cannot and did not save himself, and he did not even help. He by himself paid for our sins. By himself. I like that in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. By himself. That's powerful. Anyway, look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. While we all have sin on us, God loves us, but he hates our sin. For us to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God. And since we've all sinned, we're all condemned. So we're all in the same boat. Nobody's any better than anybody else. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. But nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. Because of sin, we can't get in. So how am I going to get there? A body hast thou prepared me. Jesus Christ came into the world, was born of a woman. As the Bible says, in due time, in due time, Christ was born right on schedule. And he lived for 33 and a half years without sin. And he chose to die for our sin because he loved us. Paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. One payment forever. Never has to be done again. And he did it 2,000 years ago. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And he paid for your sins. Now he says, will you believe he did it for you? If you believe he did it for you, he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. You get to go to heaven on what he did. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you never believed it, that He did it for you, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You will not go to heaven. It's that simple. That's why it's so important for you. Will you trust Jesus Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? And once you trust Him, you are saved. And you never have to do it again. If you trusted Christ as your Savior six months ago, you don't have to do it again. If you trusted Him 20 years ago, you never have to do it again. If you trusted Him as your Savior last week, you don't have to do it again. You can only get saved one time. He can only give you eternal life once. He can only save you from hell once because He paid for all of your sins when He came 
the first time. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and perhaps you never trusted the Lord, why not just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I realize I cannot save myself. I want to go to heaven. And I believe you died on that cross and paid for my sins. And this morning, right now, I believe you did it for me. And I'm trusting you as my Savior. And friend, God said if you would believe just that much, he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So the heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ right now. And I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip in it very quickly and put it right back down? Zoom along. Yes, God bless you, man. Once you trust Christ as Savior, it's eternal life, and he'll never cast you out. Anyone else before we close? Just slip it up real quick. Put it right back down. Our Father, we do thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for this time of year when people's hearts and their minds are toward perhaps more spiritual things, hopefully, because of Christ. Though they celebrate his birth, we pray that they'll understand why he came. They realize that the free gift of, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we thank you so much for all you've done for us, for the one that indicated that they would trust your Savior this morning. And Father, by doing so, you guarantee eternal life and that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.